0: Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and we've got a special treat lined up for you in this lesson. James Wood, one of our members, presented this lesson back in October of 2005, want to look at Jesus and his life and how we can learn about Jesus even from the Old Testament Scriptures. So open your Bibles as James talks to us about how to teach Jesus from the Scriptures.
1: If you would like, uh, let's go ahead and be turning to Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin our study here this morning. If you're visiting with us, um, our regular evangelist, uh, Edwin Crozier, is away at a meeting. And so I am filling in for him. And one of the nice things about that is we uh, appreciate Edwin all the more when he gets back uh, after I've been up here. So I encourage you, if you're in the area, to come back and be with us uh, at another opportunity and uh, we encourage you especially to come and join us in this fall focus that we will be starting next weekend, focusing on the home. In Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 30, we have Philip running up to meet the Ethiopian eunuch. It begins, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Boy, what a segue into a great Bible study. That is it's not recorded for us, by the way. And what an interesting proposition. What an interesting challenge to preach Jesus from the Old Testament. To preach Jesus from the Scriptures that our first century brethren had as their only source of the God-breathed Word at that time. He begins in Isaiah chapter 53. Let's turn over to that passage. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 7. The New American Standard reads, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? Well, we're starting near the end, aren't we? We're starting near the end of the tale that the Scriptures hold for us about Jesus. Can we know? Can we discern from the Old Testament? If we were taken back in time and only had the scriptures that they had, could we get to the point and to the conclusion that the eunuch derived from the Old Testament? Look back in chapter 52 of Isaiah, starting in verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so His appearance was marred more than any man and His form more than the sons of men. He is taken and beaten and crucified. And chapter 53 tells us about that, but that's near the end of His life. Look at verse 15 of chapter 52. Thus, he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him, for what had not been told them, they will see, and what they had not heard, they will understand. It is possible. What was not seen aforetime, contained in the scriptures, will be seen by those who have eyes that are looking for it. And so if we are looking for it, where should we begin? Turn back yet one more chapter to chapter 51 and the first verse of Isaiah 51. The prophet speaks, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father. And to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain, when he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Where should we begin? Let's begin with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, in the creation book of Moses, the Holy Spirit through that writer relates to us the promise that was given to Abraham. And the Lord promised Abraham that if he went forth from his country, he would be made a great nation. And in verse 3, God promised him, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now how could this be? Certainly Abraham was not the father of all the nations, because all nations... Some nations were already in existence by the time he was born. And so what this alludes to is that the promised seed would bless many nations through his line. Look over in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. God is talking to David at the end, toward the end of his life. Promising him an heir and at the same time promising us the Messiah. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. We're looking for a Messiah through the line of Abraham. We're looking for a Messiah through the line of David. Isaiah, who speaks to us frequently about this promised Messiah, talks also about this seed of David in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, And we know that Jesse is the father of David. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness He will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And He will strike the earth with the rod of His mouth and with the breath of His lips He will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about His loins and faithfulness the belt about His waist. The promised Messiah will be the judge of the earth. In the same book, Isaiah chapter 40 we find out a little more about the coming Messiah. Chapter 40, beginning in verse 3. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This coming Messiah that we were to be looking for, that the Jews were to be looking for, would have a forerunner. And we know that his name was John the Baptist. He would go and cry out in the wilderness and make straight the paths for the coming of the Lord. In chapter 7 of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, "'Listen now, O house of David, "'is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men "'that you will try the patience of my God as well? "'Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. "'Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, "'and she will call His name Emmanuel.'" Which means God is with us. "'He will eat curds and honey at the time He knows enough "'to refuse evil and choose good.'" For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. This Messiah, after being proclaimed by John the Baptist in the wilderness, will be born of a virgin. This will be the sign of His coming. Where will He be born? In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. God in the flesh will come forth and be born of a virgin, In Bethlehem, this is the sign that the Jews should have been looking for. Back in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish, in her earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The land that would be forsaken would see the glory of the Lord once more on the other side of the sea, on the other side of Jordan, from Galilee. This Messiah would come forth. and we're not spending time in the New Testament this morning, but I think it's interesting. In John chapter 7, there are several places in this chapter that recall this verse. John chapter 7 and verse 41, uh, beginning in verse 40, after Christ had been speaking, some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is a prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is He? If there had been understanding. Those things that were hidden within the Scriptures at that time, they would have seen that Galilee was where the Messiah would be coming from. Back in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. Beginning in verse 1. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, He named me. There's the reference back to the passage where it talked about being born of a virgin and He would be called Emmanuel. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of His hand, He has concealed me. And He has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in His quiver. Jump down to verse 5. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb, to be His servant, to bring Jacob back to Him so that Israel might be gathered to Him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This child that will be coming from the womb of a virgin, that will be the sign to the peoples of Jacob will also be made a light for the people of the world so that God's salvation should shine through Him to the people. In Zechariah chapter 11, Zechariah chapter 11, we begin to find some prophecies about the end of Christ's life. Zechariah chapter 11, starting in verse 12. I said to them, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages. But if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wage. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord. This Messiah will come and be a light to the world and will be betrayed for a small price. 30 shekels of silver. And after that, it will buy a potter's field. In Psalms chapter 16, In Psalm 16 and verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. This is a psalm of David. And yet, David is not speaking of himself. The Messiah through David's line will die, will sprinkle many nations. Yet he will not be abandoned. He will not be left for decay. He will not be left in the depths of Sheol. He will rise again. Over in Psalm 110. Psalm 110. In verse 1, David wrote, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Again, David is not talking about himself. The Lord said to my Lord. And so we find that the abandonment eventually, the non-abandonment eventually leads to the ascension of the Messiah, to be with God. And he said, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. Thus concludes the life, as we know, of Christ until this point. The story from beginning to end, all the way back through the forefathers, up to the virgin birth, to the places that He would be from, to the betrayal, the death, and the ascension. But that's not the whole story. Look with me, if you will, over in Joel. The book of Joel, chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. It will come about after this, after all these things take place, that I will pour out My Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, their young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out My Spirit in those days. There was a day coming after the ascension of Christ that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon mankind. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, Daniel sees a vision. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. The Messiah will establish a kingdom that will be forever. A kingdom that men everywhere can partake and be a part of. In Jeremiah chapter 31, we find out what is involved with the coming of this kingdom and participation in it. Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sins I will remember no more. Forgiveness of sin. Not the remembrance every year of those same sins. And the sacrifice of the bulls and the goats every year. One sacrifice to bring forgiveness of sins for all time. For mankind. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. In the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Behold, as for the proud one, verse 4, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. To partake in this kingdom, to obtain the forgiveness of sins, we must have faith in this Messiah. And our faith will invoke righteousness for us. And as we've already read in Isaiah chapter 49, this is not just for the Jews. The references to the house of Jacob, to the house of Israel, the kingdom that has been established forever is the spiritual kingdom of Israel. And so this is for all men everywhere. The story has not ended. The greatest story of all time. The Messiah has come and shed His blood that we might have forgiveness of sins. That if by faith we believe in Him, we can have everlasting life. We can enter that eternal kingdom that He has established. How do we do that? What is the missing piece? Turn with me over to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. It's the story of the flood. In verse 5, it reads, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jump down to verse 17. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. The earth was filled with sin. And I think we can see the concept that sin was washed away through the immersion of the floodwaters. And so today, if we are to enter this kingdom, we must be found pure before God. We must wash away the sins that fill our lives. We must be immersed for the remission of our sins. Turn with me back over to Acts chapter 8 and let's complete the story. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 36. As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him. But went on his way rejoicing. Baptism for the remission of sins. An antitype of the flood waters that washed the sins of the world in Noah's generation. Are you subject to that invitation this morning? Do you understand that Christ is the Messiah? That He has come, lived, and died, so that you might have the forgiveness of sins, that you might stand pure before God. Have you taken advantage of those floodwaters, washed yourself clean, and let sin creep back in? The invitation is yours this morning, while we stand and sing number 44.
0: I hope that look at the life of Jesus was intriguing and edifying to you. If you have any questions about the Bible, the Old Testament or New Testament, about Jesus, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson. If so... Can I invite you to go to that website? Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there that you're free to download, both in audio and outline format. Download those, use them in whatever way you believe will glorify God. May God bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.